Blog Talk Radio. It's October 21st, 2018. Hello and welcome to Working for a Living radio show, where progressives for change present opinions and matter. Tonight, we're joined by co-host Jeff Brown, and I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. Please remember that good leadership is never about power and control, but rather for the honor and for the privilege of serving the members in the interest of the membership. That means you actually have to care about the membership. can't say I don't care. Announcements. UAW members, please take note. Article 31, Section 3 of the UAW Constitution says, It shall be the duty of each member to participate in local, state, provincial, and federal elections through registration and balloting. So you see that you are required to participate in the election process. That's required. Okay, if you don't, you're in violation of the Constitution. I don't think I need to tell you what that means. Jeff Brown went through that here not so long ago. We got him his membership back, though. So we encourage everyone to vote Tuesday, November 6, 2018. Please do vote this time. Announcement number two, UAW Region 1 plans to hold phone banking and door knocking every day from now till the election. Please report to the regional offices, if you're able, at 27,800 George Morelli Drive in Warren, Michigan, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. weekdays, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Saturday and Sunday. If you're able, please try and do that. It would be helpful. Other facilities in the UAW probably have similar things going on, whether regional office or local union office. So please check locally and see if there's other stuff that you might be able to help with. You've heard me say, and you've heard others in high Democratic leadership positions that support working men and women, most notably Bernie Sanders. I heard him say this himself. This is likely the most important election in the history of our nation. So please keep that in mind as you consider whether to vote or not vote or who to vote for. We're going to go over some working things about policy later. We talked about that uh, in our preview here uh, in the posting. So. Um, announcement number three, Working for a Living continues to support Medicare for each and every person in the United States. Number four, Working for a Living continues to support separation of corporations and state and overturning of corporations as citizens. They don't breathe. They certainly need a voice somewhere, but they don't breathe. Number five, On October 16th, Forbes reported that the U.S. Senate has set its sights on cutting Social Security. The current U.S. Senate, you all know who that is. 
we just went through a big confirmation with the current U.S. Senate. So you know who that is and who they are and what they're about. Announcement number six, on Friday, October 19th, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, R, that R, this is designation, was attacked while eating near his home in Louisville, Kentucky. More on this later in the show. We don't approve of this. Everybody has a right to their own freedom of speech. Certain things are not protected, and certain activities are certainly not not protected. Talking to him while he's eating is actually protected. Some other things that went on there are not, and we'll get into that in my report. <clears throat> Announcement number seven. <laughs> my, my buddy. <laughs> on on Saturday, the University of Michigan played Michigan State University in a game of football at Michigan State University's Spartan Stadium field in East Lansing, Michigan. And the outcome was a University of Michigan 21-7 to victory over the Michigan State University Spartans. I hope Jeff Brown and all of his fellow workers, fans of Michigan, are happy. And I have to give you a big grin. Congratulations on your victory, Jeff. <laughs> I'm just a big MSU fan. Supporter, or I'm sorry, U of M supporter. And I'm a big MSU supporter. I live near the the campus, actually. So, uh, announcement number eight. And extends a warm welcome to all of our li- new listeners. Thank you for choosing us, and we hope that you continue to find value in our format and content. Thank you very much. Uh, email and messages. Uh, uh, number one, <clears throat> when will your 2019 contract resolutions, our group has asked you to write, be ready for view and consideration, uh, location withheld. Uh, we're going to do that uh, throughout the week and have a full report on those next Sunday. But as they've been written, most of them have been written, and uh, we'll get those out and published on the .com and you'll, for your review. Uh, there's uh, reasons for that that we won't go into right now, but they will be available for any meetings that uh, local unions have decided to have them by November 30, and they have certainly affected the outcome of this election by having such a uh, a ludicrous uh, deadline to have these things reviewed or uh, submitted. so next what next Sunday and through the week you start to see them being posted. Okay. Um, email, uh, number two, uh, your show is very insightful and informative from perspective that unions are good organizations. Keep up the good work to educate me and others. And location withheld. And we thank you for uh, your input. Uh, we work pretty diligently to. Uh, give you insightful information uh, that's educational as well and maybe a different perspective than you're getting from your local news station. Uh, so uh, Jeff and I and others behind the scenes are hard to see that that occurs. And by the way, uh, we uh, 
don't have a lot of people on the show because people who come on our show have been attacked uh, for cause, or for not for cause, I'm sorry, uh, and uh, some have uh, lost their membership, like Jeff, and we've gotten that back. Uh, you know, arguably, you can argue with why that was, uh, but he is on the show, and uh, he was definitely attacked along with a couple of his coworkers who are supporters. So uh, we are real careful who we identify on this show. Just be aware of that, okay? So doesn't mean there aren't other folks out there of all persuasions uh, giving us information to go forward with. Uh, we just kind of protect them so they don't come under scrutiny and attack. Uh, and that's just the way it is, folks. I mean, it's too bad it's that way, but it's, it's been that way for a while. <clears throat> and before this radio show, others that came on another show had been attacked and disciplined uh, by management for a week. Uh, and one instance that I can think of the very next day as this person got into an argument, uh, disagreement, we'll call it, with his local union representative. Uh, this uh, person was then disciplined for a week. Um, again, we don't know the actual motivation for that, but we can certainly, you know, have our own opinion about why that was. And we're here to protect the members that give us information and participate and support behind the scenes. Uh, those folks are not even identified within our group anymore for uh, cause, okay? Uh, that's, uh, I want to thank all the email writers. There were actually a few uh, that wrote in the, uh, the first and the second one, so thank you very much. Uh, we look forward to you. Again, our email address is workingforliving at workingforliving, or you can contact any of us by uh, uh, Facebook private message. Some of you have our contact information beyond that, so please feel free to do that. Uh, again, thanks to all the mail. Uh, yeah, they're doing something. Somebody's got some background noise. Okay. Oh, thanks, Jeff. Because I brought him on early today. <laughs> uh, the um, Well, I, I want to take a second because I looked at this switchboard, and it's full. Uh, we got a lot of people that have called in, and we don't even advertise this number. And thank you to each and every person out there that are uh, on the switchboard, listening in via the switchboard. Thank you very, very much. We appreciate it. And feel free to contact us uh, during or after uh, the show, any form you choose to. So, um, uh, this week's definition. Uh, the word public policy, and there's actually two definitions. Uh, it's a phrase, actually, not a word. Uh, one, the principles often uh, the principles often unwritten on which social laws are based. Uh, number two is the legal definition. The principle, and this is the end quote, the principle that injury to the public good is a basis for denying the legality of a contract or other transaction. 
So if you're doing that, then that's the end of that, unquote. If you're doing something bad to the public by and through your contract, that that uh, is a legal basis for denying the legality of the contract or other transaction. In other words, if you have an agreement between the two of you and it harms the public good, that those two people will have their contract negated if it comes to the court of law and this principle is acted upon. So then you start to get into what's in the public good. Is it in the public good to write law and put it in the contract to cut pensions by 50% if the uh, basis of the pension falls, funding levels fall below 80%? Is that in the public good? I, don't, I would make the case that's not in the public good. Is it in the public good to relieve the corporation from any further liability to the pension plan fund? I'd agree. I would also agree that it's not in the best interest. Of course, those are elements, and we're going to address them far different than most anybody else has been uh, addressing these. Okay, far different from those, because we have this. But we believe that based on those. In that particular uh, element of contract and, and actually federal law that we can challenge these based on this. And we'll see how far we can get with it. But I'm thinking we can get quite a ways, especially when corporations are showing $18 billion in non-auto-related income in the year 2012 when the stock market went up 30% and the pension fund was $60 billion. So $18 billion is actually 30% of that pension fund. wonder where that money came from and why didn't it, for all intents and purposes, from what we can gather, hit the bottom line? Where did it go? Well, those are all good questions about public policy. Uh, so... We're going to, you know, pique your interest here, folks. So, uh, next, next up is we have this week's quote, and this is a repeat on purpose. Uh, and I want to thank T.A. for this to our attention some time ago. Uh, Nobody will ever deprive the American people of the right to vote except the American people themselves. And the only way they could do this is by not voting. And that, a quote, is from Franklin Delano Roosevelt, the 32nd President of the United States of America. I can't say it any better than he did. I don't think anybody can. And so there we go. Uh, we have Jeff in the background here. I know he's just waiting to crow about, about his team today. So, Jeff, come on and tell us all about it, buddy. Go blue. <laughs> Go blue. You got it. <laughs> you guys won, and we'll give you credit. It was a hard-fought game by both sides, but in the end, University of Michigan has bragging rights in the state of Michigan. Of course, Ohio State we won't talk about because they had a bad weekend too, and it's going to be a, a real interesting uh, Big Ten conference uh, this year and for the battle to go to the Rose Bowl. So we'll see. Or more, 
you know, so we'll see. Because some of these teams are really good, really, really good. So, uh, so Jeff, uh, how's your besides the, the the victory crowing that you're doing over there in your part of the world? Uh, how was the rest of your week this past week? Um, not bad. We we worked last week. Um, we're we're now on a two-week layoff status. And then we have another layoff week scheduled for after Thanksgiving and one week in December. Um, things don't look good down here in Flat Rock at the moment. Well, I, I, I know you more. I know you know more about that than what's public and what you can actually say. And because you're an active worker, you can't say any more. Uh, but uh, it just know, folks, that there's other stuff out there. I can say that, and Jeff cannot. Uh, but there are other things um, going on. Uh, and uh, this is like Jeff's, I'm interrupting him, but like Jeff is, is in the middle of saying, things are not good there. So go, go ahead, Jeff. I, I don't want to take too much of your thunder away on that, but I know you can't no. say that because of certain laws. You know, there's laws that, you know, actually uh, talk about what you can say and do as an active or a retiree. Uh, so we have to abide by those. So, Jeff, go ahead and finish up with what you wanted to say there about your week. Um, yeah, we, um, see. we do know who our board negotiating team is, the UAW negotiating team. Um, one gentleman is from... Uh, Ohio Assembly. He's been there a long time. His father was once the chairman. And his sister, I think many of the UAW members will know who she is, Mary Springakowski, who is currently a member of the Lorraine City Council. So you know who that is. And then the next person is um, Louisville, Kentucky Truck. And of course, uh, my plant chairman is the lead negotiator for UAW and the national negotiations. Um, but, you know, we shall see what happens. I'm very concerned over the future of our plant. Because um, it don't look good. It don't look good at all. But... Uh, that's all I can say, Leroy, without getting into uh, hot water, as you say. Right. right. I, I know, Jeff. That's why I kind of grabbed that a little bit from you. There's, again, there's stuff that Jeff and, and you know, and the show knows here that we really cannot report because it's not public, and we don't want to get into that uh, with uh, uh, being at a, having a, a problem. So just know that it doesn't look good. Uh, and that's, you know, it's a matter of, uh, you know, how car sales are going, folks. You know, uh, you know, this isn't anything any one of us or any group of us has done or is doing. This is about car sales. And this, these are about the policies that we talk about on this radio show quite a bit. For example, we started, a, you know, the current administration, not we, the current administration started a trade war 
with tariffs. And on this radio show, we have indicated two times in live shows and about six times in encore shows when we didn't, you know, have a, a, a live show for you for a holiday or whatever, uh, that we said that, you know, because they're on a sales tax and we're on a payroll withholding tax, essentially, and those are two different points of taxation, one where it's manufactured and one where it's sold. And when they have a sales tax and they send their products here and they didn't charge their sales tax in, in their own country or at their border, it's a real simple fix without getting in a great big pissing contest. It's real simple. All you do is charge their own t- sales tax when it hits our border if it's not been charged already and send the money back to them. It's real simple. We've said it out a lot on this radio show. A lot. And now here we are charging a bunch of tariffs, both sides, sales dropping off the planet due to the current administration's policy that could have been done a whole lot differently. And believe me, I have the ear, this person, this chair, this past chair of the county where the state of Michigan capital is at, I have the ear, and you heard the current governor, the expected uh, incoming governor, on this show, on speed dial on my phone. I have the ear of these people, and they are fully aware of what I just said, all of them. If given the chance, this would be reversed, these tariffs in my opinion. And simply what I just said would be implemented. It would have the same result, stop the dumping in our country of foreign products without any cost of government or sales tax or income tax or whatever in it, without a trade war. Again, this is an important election. So, you know, that that whole, you know, auto sales issue and other product sales, I'm seeing stores close. Yonkers just closed. Sears is almost ready to close. It's a, these are staples. Sears is a staple for over 100 years or right at 100 years. In in our country, as a, as a retail store. Now, how they made the transition to e-commerce is another thing, but, you know, all of these things being dumped in our economy, it's just real hard for these folks to com- compete like that. As we manufacture cars, we got to do it better, folks. We simply got to do it better, okay? And we're trying. Buying through this show with the influence that you have over the people you talk to with with the thoughts that we, the thought starters that we give you to go talk to your own representatives about some of this stuff. These are good ideas, folks. Ideas that don't start a great big war cause inflation and sales to drop. Do your part. This is about you. We give you ideas. You take them forward as well, okay? 
it ain't just about us here. We do a lot of work to do this for you. You know, we'd rather be sitting around somewhere on a, by a campfire, you know, sitting there drinking hot or hot cider and and with a cinnamon stick in it and and uh, having uh, you know some little snack, whatever your preferred snack may be, on a Sunday night with family. We're here, so are you, and we appreciate it. But you have to follow up with your local people as well. We're giving you ideas. Please do that. I can say all day long I have the year of 25 real high leaders here and some in other states because I functioned in other states as well. But you got to do it. It isn't about us. You. You got to present these ideas as you tell people you will vote for them. You tell them. You have to support these ideas to get our country back on track. Sometime after this election, there's three resolutions that would right our ship, three presidential executive orders that would right our ship tomorrow. Tomorrow. Okay. And after the election, I'll let you know what those are. we got enough to do now. It's a big fight. We got resolutions due because of inconsiderate UAW leaders setting time frames that are in conflict with likely the greatest, most important election in the history of our country. Bernie Sanders said it, not me, although I did say it simultaneously. You folks need to change what's going on. And those of you that say you're changing from blue to red, go ahead. You go ahead. I'm not telling you what to do. We're giving you the information to base your opinion on. And if you feel that way, go right ahead. If after you listen to tonight's show, you still feel that red is best, you do what you got to do. Because we're about working for a living. That's what we're about. And men and women brothers and sisters, union, non-union, whatever color you are, whatever persuasion you are, we're about you, each and every one of you. It's up to you to make this change because our country is at risk right now. This isn't a veiled statement. This is the most important election of our nation's history. You need to get out there and do something about it. I got more, but we'll get to Jeff's report now. Jeff, I know you have the Constitution series. You want to continue just a little bit because we got kind of a lot to talk about tonight. Yeah, I'll just do a little bit here. We are on section section ten of Article twelve, no, Article sixteen. I'm sorry. Um, section ten from the portion of dues income allotted to the International Union General Fund according to the section 5A of this article the International Union shall set aside a five cents which shall be expanded only for the communications program as described in article 29 section 1 
be one cent to the Civil Civil and Human Rights Fund to be expended only for the support and promotion of the program and activities of the International Union in support of fair employment practices and opposition of all discriminatory practices in employment. Three cents as the International Union Education Fund should be expended only for the programs and activities of the International Education Department. D, one cent to the International Union Reparation Fund, which shall be for each region on a per capita basis. Five cents as a special citizenship fund to be used on the purpose of strengthening democracy by encouraging memberships and citizens generally generally to register to vote in a community, state, and national elections and to carry on organizational and educational programs. Directed toward the achievement of an even higher understanding of citizenship, responsibility, or the need bearers of a free and democratic society. Uh, one more article. One cent for the International Retired Workers Fund, which, which one cent shall be used to only to promote and support programs for benefiting retired members, including such programs as the International Union relating to retired members as may be adopted from time to time and to finance the operation of the International Union Retired Workers Department. We'll stop at section 10. Cycle 11's a little bit long, right? 11 next week. Okay, thank you, Jeff. Very good. Uh, do you see anything that is out of the ordinary in any of these or anything that might need to be adjusted, or do you feel that these sections in the Constitution that you read tonight and some that you read up to here uh, regarding this article uh, in particular, do you feel any of these uh, are in need of addressing, or are these just housekeeping uh, for the purposes of uh, collecting monies and how they're allocated properly within the uh, international and the local unions. Well, I would like to see um, more money put into the, to the retired workers fund. Um, well, these retirees are getting clobbered over the last several contracts, and I'm soon to be one of them. Uh, I'd like to see more money put into their their fund, not just one point one. Point zero one uh, of the internet, you know, of the fund. That's what I would like. More money to the retirees department. Okay. All right. I, you know, I, I would agree with that. I, I'm sure there's other things that need allocation too. But uh, they, you know, the retirees have been under serious attack. Uh, so maybe there's a way to balance it off in in these. Uh, Paragraphs that you're addressing, and of course we're we're another three and a half, three and three quarters years before anything like that comes up again in the convention. But you know, just keep those in mind, uh, Jeff, because we'll go through this again. You know, we have no plans of stopping uh, this, so uh, we'll just keep that in mind, and we'll write them down and and bring bring them back 
uh, as the resolutions come forward next time around. Okay. Uh, so um, uh, thank you for that. I know you have another report tonight. Uh, let's uh, go to my uh, issue regarding uh, what's happened to Mitch McConnell. And then we'll go to yours, and then I have a closing report that I'll bring back, uh, if that's okay with you, all right? Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Uh, so on Friday night, uh, the 19th, um, Mitch McConnell was with, uh, well, reportedly with his family eating dinner in a Louisville restaurant, Louisville, Kentucky. And I understand he was out last night as well. And he remained calm and collected as he ate his dinner and sat. Uh, he was attacked by unknown, well, parties that have become known, but uh, unknown to uh, most in the uh, political world is, because uh, I got this report out of the Louisville area. Nobody seemed to know who this person was that attacked Senator McConnell. Senator McConnell was called a bunch of names as he sat quietly, stoically in this restaurant. Now, you can address any elected official anytime you want in pretty aggressive ways and still be considered to be under the protection of free speech in the United States. When you cross a fine line, free speech goes away, the protections of it. I don't know that this was crossed. Uh, there may have some local uh, uh, ordinances on the use of vulgarity in public or in front of children. Here in Michigan, we do have that. If you swear loudly in front of a child, you can be uh, brought up on charges. It's criminal. Uh, we don't know what Louisville or the state of Kentucky has regarding that. But you must be careful when you do these sort of things. It's in your right to do them. During this altercation attack, a gentleman that's not known to us, we didn't get the person's name, nor would we say it if we had it, took the senator's to-go food from this table, took it and threw it outside on the road. And that's pretty aggressive. It's actually, quite frankly, illegal as illegal can be because that was Senator McConnell's property that was stolen from him and destroyed out in the public street. Interestingly enough, to this radio show moderator, the gentleman was not charged with theft of a per another person's property, theft and destruction of another person's property. I would go so far as to say, had it been truly someone from the opposition party that that person, if identified as opposition party, would be 
in jail as we speak. Because if you're thrown in jail on a Friday night, court doesn't even convene until Monday morning. It's our understanding, my understanding, because this report came to me, that the person was not charged or jailed. I would ask you, the listeners, what the motivation was. I would also ask you, the listeners, because we don't need to be losing votes from the middle of the political spectrum that are friendly to working men and women. We don't need to be losing those over such behavior. You do what you want to do. It's protected. But there are certain things that make us look bad, and we can lose votes. There's a time to do it. It's not now. Okay. Just have a little strategic value to what you do. None of us are happy with what's going on. And we have a right to be very angry. November 7th would be a great time to express that. If you get my drift. Okay. Uh, That said, uh, Jeff, you want to go on with with your report? That uh, real important issue that affects working men and women and how they ought to consider what their position is and where they need to be on November 6th or sometime between now and then if they vote absentee. So, if you would, Jeff. Okay. Um, This article came out, let me see the date here, December 19, 2017. It's uh, Union Buster. And in it, he, he says they had to it's about the NLRB. They are overturning President Obama's uh, decisions. It's the way Trump does. He turns everything around. But there are... Let's see where they are. This is the, with the GOP majority decisions to... There's something in my here. Um, refocus the agencies on workers' rights under Obama. The first one is the board overturned a 2016 decision requiring settlements to provide a full remedy to aggrieved workers. Now, we all know Mr. Trump is anti-union. I've seen him recently in the news, wanting to sign a nationwide right-to-work platform for every state. Um, That's not going to be easy to do in most states. They are overturning everything. The first move here is overturn a 2016 decision requiring settlements to provide a full remedy to agree workers. 
workers already have not enough time to get a full remedy for their grievances as it is now. Just look at uh, the team UPS drivers. They voted down their contract recently, and Mr. Hoffa enforced it on them. So, first one, Leroy. Okay, Jeff. Now, this again, this was by the newly appointed National Labor Relations Board in majority, correct? Correct. Correct. He has appointed two more. Since he's been in office, he's added two members to the NLRB. Okay. And as I understand it, Board Chairman Philip Miss Karima uh, and members Marvin Kaplan and William Emanuel had the majority opinion, and that Mark Gaston Pierce and Laura McFerrin dissented in that case. Is that correct? Are you aware of that? Yes. Okay, that's what yeah, I thought, too. Okay, and those three are uh, appointments by uh, people that are not working friendly, and everybody knows what that means these days, I think. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay, well, uh, I have a, a similar National Labor Relations Board opinion that deals with yet another issue, reversal of a previous decision. Okay, and I'm going to read part of the decision, actually, or at least the report from the National Labor Relations Office of Public Affairs, Washington, D.C. In a 3-2 decision involving the Boeing Company, the National Labor Relations Board overturned Lutheran Heritage Village, Livonia, uh, in the case of 343 NLRB 646 in 2004. That case articulated the board's uh, previous standard governing whether facial, fa- uh, facially neutral workplaces, I'm sorry, facility, it has to be a facility because it's not facially, uh, facially uh, facility neutral workplace rules Uh, policies and employee provisions unlawfully interfere with the exercise rights of rights protected under NLRB, Section 7, that would be. Okay, under uh, the prior Luther Heritage Standard, the board found that employers violated the NLRA, National Labor Relations Act, by maintaining workplace rules that do not explicitly prohibit protected activities. For all of you out there thinking everything's protected, pay attention. We're not, indoor, not adopted in response to such activities. We're not applied to restrict such activities. If the rules would be reasonably construed by an employee to prohibit the exercise of the NLA right, Section 7. In place of the Lutheran Heritage Responsibility Construed, standard, the board established the new test. When evaluating facility neutral policy, rule, or handbook provision that, when reasonably interpreted, would potentially interfere with the exercise of NLRA rights, the board will evaluate two things. One, 
the nature and extent of the potential impact of the NLRA rights, potential impact, that's very, very subjective. And two, legitimate justifications associated with the rule. Again, justifications are very subjective in nature and can be read to do just about anything. Then they had three categories. One, will include rules that the board designates as lawful to maintain either because the rule, when reasonably interpreted, does not prohibit, prohibit or interfere, interfere with the exercise of an LRA rights, or two, potentially adverse impact on protected rights is outweighed by justifications associated with the rule. Examples of Category 1 rules are the no-camera requirement maintained by Boeing and rules requiring important employees to abide by basic standards of civility. Thus, the board overruled past cases in which the board held that employers violated the NLRA by maintaining rules requiring employees to foster harmonious interactions and relationships in, uh, or to maintain basic standards of civility in the workplace. Everybody's saying kumbaya. We shouldn't have any, any uh, fervent discussions according to the new rule. Category two, that they, the other standards, three of these, will include rules that warrant individual scrutiny in each case as to whether the rule should, would prohibit or interfere with NLRA, NLRA rights. And if so, whether any adverse impact on NLRA protected conduct is outweighed by legitimate justifications. There you go again. Who's determining what the justifications are is the real question here. And they are very, very subjective. And I know we have some legal scholars listening in. I see at least two in the switchboard. So let me get back to category three. You all know what justifications can mean when you're defining something or trying to interpret it. Category three will include rules that the board will designate as unlawful to maintain because they would prohibit or limit NLRA-protected conduct. An adverse impact on NLRA rights is not outweighed by justifications associated with the rule. An example would be a rule that prohibits employees from discussing wages or benefits with one another. Okay? So you can privately do that but don't do it in a real aggressive manner in front of anybody. You'll lose your job. That's what this rule means. And they'll do that subjectively based on their own justifications and interpretations of the rule. This was overturned. This was in place in 2004 and overturned by the current administration's NLRB, National Labor Relations Board. So if you're happy that your rights have been diminished by the current administration and legislature and judicial structure, then you keep voting red. Or if you feel that this working for a living opinion says that this is bad, It's not good for workers. 
trying to express their displeasure, then you should vote for candidates that support working people. Let's take a look at the public policy. That's what we just did. And you're going to hear that statement more and more because I am collaborating with some folks, including my new friend that we've brought into the team, who has a master's in public administration, a bachelor's in political science, and a bachelor's in internet technology. And we have been discussing this at length for several weeks. And you're going to hear the term, let's take a look at the public policy more and more. And this, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, is public policy. And as it happens, as it happens, the current administration has some pretty bad public policy here. So let's start taking a look at their public policy that affects us. I won't tell you who to vote for or what to vote for, but you ought to consider your own personal interest. Jeff and I, this week and next week, and the following week, are going to be bringing some things to your attention about public policy. This is bad stuff. It's really hurting us. There's, two, there's three more of these. Three more. We were going to run them last week and have them done a little early, but I, I really, quite frankly, I couldn't find the link, but I had it in my, my bookmarks. So I'm, I'm a fallible human being here. I'm not perfect. These are public policies. Remember what the definition of it is and what it can be used against. Again, we'll go over the legal definition of a public policy. The principle that injury to the public good is a basis for denying the legality of a contract or other transaction. Quite frankly, there ought to be somebody in charge or a group of people that get together and challenge the legality of these reversals. This is not in the public good, in our opinion, at least in my opinion. So having said that, uh, we're 10 minutes early, Jeff. <laughs> we got through our reports. Oh, I wanted to say also that the, uh, the 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 decision was the, the same thing that Jeff had. Miss uh, this the chairperson, man, is chairman Philip, Miss Karamia, whatever his name is, said, uh, and uh, Marvin Kaplan and Emmanuel, uh, William Emanuel, and we know a lot of history about him. Hmm. Check him out, William Emanuel. Yeah. Uh, and the, the ones in uh, uh, voted against this to keep it the way it was is Mark Gaston. Due to both of those members, in each of these, they voted against them. So thank you for for those members that did vote for working men and women. And you were appointed by a working for men and women, working people who. Uh, support working men and women 
some time ago uh, under different administrations that were worker friendly. So uh, this one isn't worker friendly. Uh, you can see that by and through what we've reported on tonight. You make your own decisions. We're here to tell you what's worker friendly and what's not. This isn't worker friendly. And they did this in unison almost the week after they found out where the bathrooms were in the National Labor Relations building. So, just for your information. Jeff, do you have anything else to add? Um, if we had a, a worker-friendly NLRB board, I would like to uh, see them oversee elections inside local unions. Um, I know for a fact that every election can be uh, uh, rigged. I've seen it. I've seen it happen last year in my local. I stood up against it. I've seen not just one uh, fraud case, but two or three in a 24-hour cycle. Um, that's just my opinion. Um, we would have our our president is one of those types who wants power and control, and he's handpicked a new election committee, and they didn't do their job. He just blatantly screwed up the whole election, in my opinion. So. I don't. I don't trust them anymore, and I don't think I ever will again. But uh, that's just my opinion, right? Well, it's having good. Election committee. Good opinion that they oversee the union elections where they seem to be questioned. I mean, uh, you know, the idea that a group of people say a certain, a specific amount of people, not many, you know, twenty, twenty-five people, write a petition to the NLRB saying, you know, I th think our elections. Uh, uh, not what actually was represented by the people that I talked to, and I'd like oversight. And then they would come in and do that. So at the government's expense, not for the unions. So, that's an interesting concept, and I, I certainly, for one, I support that in, in all levels. So I uh, want to say thanks to all the people in the switchboard listening those of you that just came in, and sorry that some of you just dropped off as soon as we uh, were ready to close the show, uh, but uh, the switchboard's pretty full still, and uh, thank you all for being here and listening, and uh, we really appreciate your listenership uh, over time. As you know, we support our union, and um, we know we have some problems in our particular union, uh, but we'll get those fixed over time. It's going to take some time and some coordination with proper authorities. That's being done. So just know that we're here doing the best we know how for you and the membership and the people in our country. Okay, so uh, with that said, uh, let's say goodnight to all of you around the globe, uh, all of our friends in Mexico and Canada who listen 
Uh, Canada, big shout out to you. You know, we're having some issues there with the, the tariffs and stuff, and hopefully we can we can work through that in a positive way, maybe get them reversed and just start talking about doing it in a different way. So, uh, like we indicated earlier tonight, so there might be some common sense and cooler heads uh, in that process before too long that can reverse a lot of what this damage has been done. So, um, But we need to, here in the United States, take and do what we need to do to get, see that that gets fixed. Uh, okay, um, thanks to each and every member of the United Auto Workers across our fair nation here, the United States. Thanks to every union member that listens in. We know we have a lot of other union members that listen in to our show. The numbers are just astronomical these past few weeks since we came back from from the Labor Day break, um, summer break. And uh, thank you for, for being here. Um, and all the non-union members in, in our country that struggle every day because they've, they've been relegated to minimum wage at 8, I think it's 8.25 an hour or 8.40 an hour. It's just insane that people would even think that people could live on such amount. I'll say this. In 1969, I made $1.60 in minimum wage. In that year, I had a couple job transitions. One of them was to General Motors. I made two forty-eight an hour. That means the minimum wage was 41% of first-tier industrial wages that were unsuppressed over a decade. They were, they were not suppressed for a, over a 10-year period. So we could live on minimum wage in 1969, literally live, have a new car, a nice place, eat well, pay the bills, utilities. If you wanted more, you went out and got a second part-time or full-time employment, minimum wage employment. Today, it takes four household 40-hour minimum wage jobs 160 working hours a week in order to survive. And that needs to change. Having said that, everybody, thank you for listening. God bless you. God bless our country. And stay safe this coming week. And we hope you found value in our show. If you did, tell just one more person. Good night, Jeff. Good night, listeners. Good night.